Welcome along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Nell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain, behavioral and organizational sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. As always, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Brain for Biz, and on LinkedIn. Or else, we look forward to your feedback and comments by email to laurie at brainforbusiness.ie. So to today's show. It is an absolute pleasure to be speaking to Professor Louisa Moss of Copenhagen Business School in Denmark. Louisa is a professor of strategic and international management at the Copenhagen Business School and has also been on the faculty at the London Business School. She has a PhD from INSEAD in France and was a postdoc at Sloan School at MIT. With a focus on large global firms, Louisa's research examines the relationship between senior managers in formal networks, organization design and performance. Recently, her work has also examined the role of female directors on corporate boards. Professor Moore's work has been published in the top strategy and management journals, such as the Strategic Management Journal, Organization Science, and the Academy of Management Journal. Louisa, it is great to speak to you. Thank you, you too, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. We were delighted that you agreed, so thank you very much. In a recent paper, published in the journal Research Policy with David Wagaspak. You explore the collaboration process undertaken by research teams. And in particular, you consider situations where teams are dispersed and the challenges of coordination which they face. To start with, why is it important to consider questions of dispersion and also coordination in teams? Uh, well, a vast stream of literature on organizations has argued that if we bring together people from different knowledge domains, then that will lead to certain benefits like creativity and innovation. But we also know that if we connect people from different parts of an organization, that's very costly because it takes time and energy to coordinate people. Uh, or specifically, it's difficult actually to get people to work together. Uh, particularly if they don't work within the same area of specialization or if they work for different organizations. They may also live in different parts of the world and speak different languages and come from different cultures. There's also a vast uh, literature on, on teams which has argued for the benefits of teams that actually work together across functional areas or geography or even different organizations. And the argument here is that, again, if we bring together these people from different knowledge domains, that will lead to more innovation, it may lead to creativity. But there are, of course, these coordination costs that I already mentioned. So prior work has tended to take for granted that the benefits of bringing together these diverse or often dispersed teams outweigh the costs of coordination. But in fact, we don't really know because most studies don't actually measure the coordination costs. So how did you and your colleague then go about exploring these particular issues? Uh, we studied uh, teams that work together to create internet sta standards uh, through an open source uh, platform. Uh, there are uh, individuals who work together in something called the Internet Engineering Task Force. Um, and the Internet Engineering Task Force create these internet standards, which is a specification of a technology that's appropriate for the internet. Uh, a good example is, for example, HTML that you see on the internet. 
And the ITF consists of volunteers that come to together um, in informal work groups, or we can call them teams, to work on these internet standards. They could belong to different organizations like Microsoft or Cisco, or they could work independently. Uh, the majority of them are based in the US, but there are also many other authors that are based uh, around the world in different uh, places. And so when you were examining these teams, what were the, the key variables that you looked at in terms of their work together, their functioning and so on? We wanted to understand the process of these teams working together because that's something that hadn't really been looked at before and we believed that that would uh, enable us to get a better understanding of these issues of coordination or how costly it actually was for them to coordinate. Um, and so with these teams we could look at the time it took the teams to publish a standard and we realized that this would help us get a better understanding of the coordination costs associated with putting together teams across geography organizations and actually making them um, complete a task. Um, that we realized also then that the data we have allowed us to look at when these teams fail and so we could compare those teams that were successful with those that failed and also see how long it took them to fail or succeed based on their composition. So in other words, we could measure their time to failure or success. And by doing that, we got a better sense of how costly coordination was in the dispersed versus the non-dispersed teams. And when you say dispersed, you mean geographically dispersed, is that correct? Well, we measure dispersion in terms of geographic distance within the team, but we also look at organizational dispersion. So, in other words, do the team members come from different organizations or is there a lot of organizational overlap? And we look at this uh, dis organizational dispersion because we're concerned with the collaboration that happens across organizational boundaries. Prior work has also suggested that this also creates issues of coordination. How then d does that differ, dispersion in that regard? differ from diversity uh, as it m might be more commonly discussed in terms of people from different backgrounds organizations and so on right um, so we don't have individual level measures of diversity so we can't look at the typical measures of demographic diversity like age gender or race we're not able to identify those in our data uh, so instead we look at there are studies um, for example also studies uh, that come out of MIT that have looked at R&D teams and looked at whether or not they're based in different laboratories or studies that look at functional diversity. So we can only look at those measures that have to do with their organizational belonging and where they're based in terms of geography and then we uh, use a measure of geographical distance. When you were looking at these these teams, given, as you said, that there was they're working through the internet, somewhere in different countries or different organizations, how were you able to establish that these were teams as opposed to perhaps more informal work groups who just happened to be collaborating for a short period on something? So, in a sense, you could say they are informal work groups. Uh, they, these people come together voluntarily uh, and decide what problems they want to work on. Um, but they do uh, formalize their work in the, in the sense that they actually um, have authorship, which is noted on these internet standard documents that we have access to. 
And so we determine they're belonging to a certain team based on their authorship on these different internet standards. Um, but you're right in the sense that they uh, that they do work uh, for a period of time, sometimes longer. Depends how long uh, some groups work together longer than others. But but it's certainly it's it's an informal process of them coming together around these problems. In that regard, then, were these perhaps more akin to self-managing teams as opposed to say more formal teams that you might find in an organization with a, a leader and a hierarchy and, and structures? Yes, they, um, they are more like that. They're informally deciding to work together. Now, we can't see in our data, there are certainly um, some organizations uh, within our data that would encourage uh, their employees to work on some of these internet standards because they may have an interest, for example, in affecting them. We can't observe that in our data, but, but they decide themselves which problems they're going to work with. Okay. When you looked at all of that then, what were the key findings that you reached? What were the key outcomes? Well, we found that uh, teams that were more dispersed were generally more successful in their projects, uh, which in our setting means that it was more likely to lead to a publication of an internet standard. We also found that dispersed teams were faster at reaching a successful outcome, so publication. Uh, so in other words, it seems that their process was quite efficient. Now, this could indicate that they were aware that there actually are coordination costs associated with working together in dispersed teams. And if they are aware of that, they only select to work on projects if they thought this is a really good idea, I'd really like to work to, on this problem, it's likely to be something that's successful. Or it could be because they have complementary skills uh, that they believe makes it worthwhile for them to work together. And so they bring together a team uh, across geography or across different organizations. Uh, so you can imagine, for example, if, if uh, I have a colleague who's based in the US at a different university, there's going to be issues of coordination, but I'm still going to invest in working with that person if we have a great idea for a paper or we believe um, that, for example, that person knows a lot about empirics and I know a lot about the theory, then we can bring our skills together to work on a problem. Um, but th this points actually to an underlying, uh, potential underlying selection problem that may exist when we study dispersed or diverse teams. Uh, now, in contrast to the successful teams, we found that teams that failed took much longer to abandon projects the more dispersed they were. And this, we think, is a very interesting finding because it suggests that the teams basically had a more difficult time failing. And so we believe that this may be where the coordination costs really kick in. Um, it may be that it becomes harder to have a conversation about failure or recognizing the signs of failure when teams are dispersed. It could also be that these dispersed teams invest a lot up front to overcome their coordination costs, and this makes them less willing to abandon the project. They become, you know, they invest over time, so they maybe feel that there are sunk costs invested early, or there's some kind of escalation of commitment in the project, which makes it more difficult for them to abandon the project. That's really interesting. So the teams that were more dispersed were more successful. Were you able to to establish, you know, what kind of coordinating uh, steps or most what were the most effective approaches to coordinating that, that some of these teams undertook? 
so we cannot observe how the authors actually coordinate their work. Um, but we can speculate given extant theory or uh, what we observe in our findings or the setting. Uh, for example, there's prior research which suggests that authors that are separated by time zones find it harder to coordinate. Uh, so if we work on tasks at different points in time, of course this creates efficiencies. You know, I could send something to a co-author in Asia and the person could work on it while I'm sleeping and then I could take over when that person goes to bed. But this also creates barriers to having a conversation about how to resolve any problematic issues because I send away the paper that person works on it and by the time I get an answer we're sort of having a delayed conversation. And the, so, the, so the issue is that it becomes harder to work on tasks simultaneously. And so that creates these barriers to coordination. And then I guess as well, you could layer on top of that, that sunk cost uh, aspect that you mentioned, that where, where people feel actually we've come this far, we have to keep going no matter what. Would that be a fair assessment? That's correct, yeah. It becomes much harder than to let go of the project because you're invested in it. Given my own research focus, I'm curious to ask about the failure element of it. What did you find in, in terms of, of failure and, and in particular the ways that the most effective teams approach failure? Was it, as you said, that they were better at just cutting things off before they went too long or was there something else going on? So again, we can't observe exactly how they work together or how they approached failure, but we, we see then that the most effective teams quickly abandon the failing projects and those are the teams that have low dispersion so in other words they're likely to be co-located um, and so we theorize that this means they likely could reach quick agreement on the fact that the project is failing and now it's time to move on to another project so again you can imagine i have a colleague down the hall which is very different from the colleague i have in the us or in asia i could walk down the hall and say look things are not really progressing on this project. Do you agree that perhaps we should have a conversation about working on this other project or moving in a new direction? Um, and so that becomes really easy. Um, whereas if we are far away or we're in different organizations, we have to set up a meeting, we have to agree that now where the project is actually not going so well, you can imagine again, we have a conversation and you say, well, I actually think we've come this far and I'm gonna say, well, I'm not sure we're making progress. And so we may even have a disagreement about when is the project failing. And I guess as well, you've got all of those psychological costs of failure. So, you know, impact on ego and uh, sense of self and sense of, you know, the time which is being committed, which could have been used elsewhere, but actually uh, hasn't been used particularly well. Is that reasonable? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're quite right. There's certainly an, an investment in the project, which makes it costly to let the project go. We might come to some of the implications in a moment, but a number of times you mentioned that you know you weren't able to specifically see because you were looking at things on a, on a much higher level, so you were able to speculate. I guess, does that suggest that to, to really get under the skin of some of those more specific elements? you would need to actually go and, and talk to the people who are in these teams and, and, and find out what on earth they were actually doing and what they were thinking. Yeah, one way to observe that would be to go and interview uh, the uh, individuals working in the projects or alternatively, even better, would be to observe how they work in these uh, teams and how they spend their time. Absolutely. Well, 
bringing it then to a question of, of implications, what would you suggest then, based on your research, are the key implications for organizations seeking to establish effective innovation teams, and particularly, I guess, those working in a multinational context? Um, well, our work is, is very much in agreement with prior work, which suggests that diversity in terms of knowledge, whether it comes from diversity of demographics or geographic dispersion, uh, leads to better outcomes, right? So we see that as well. And part of the reason for that, right, so when I talk about dispersion, it could be that people are working in different organizations again, they have access to different types of knowledge. When you bring that together, you can come up with a more creative or innovative outcome. It could also be when we're working in different geographies uh, that we have access to different types of knowledge. And again, we bring that together that, that gives us uh, innovation, creativity. But I think our work also highlights a new important nuance, namely this uh, idea around the coordination costs that arise around failure. And when it takes a long time for failing projects, projects to be abandoned. This is costly for organizations because such projects then hold up resources that could have been invested elsewhere. And if you look at, you know, we don't, we don't talk so much about failure in the innovation literature, but, but the work that has looked at failures often uh, look at what they call fast failure um, within entrepreneurship, for example. And the idea here is that you should fail often and fast because then you learn and then you can move on. But we're actually showing that, well, if you if you both encourage that we're going to have these projects that are dispersed and that should lead us to innovation, that may also lead to these failing projects that actually take longer to fail. Uh, and so that goes against the concept of fast failure because now we're then uh, procrastinating, basically. We're holding up resources. And so failing may not be as easy as, as we think. And I guess there's also that additional step of uh, the actual learning that should happen from failure if you fail fast, but maybe it doesn't always happen in, in, in quite a straightforward way. That's correct. That's correct. And so that's not something we get into in this paper, but, but I, th I think you're quite right that that is also something that could be a next step to, uh, to look at. But what then also would you suggest are the key implications for leaders? Are there particular things that they should consider when they're, they're leading teams, maybe dispersed teams, who are focusing or which are focusing on innovation? Um, well, the implication for leaders is that they should think about, um, first of all, what kind of projects they, they put together. May, they may need to be more selective when they put together dispersed teams or follow up on them more frequently um, because they should they they may need to uh, intervene or keep an eye on those projects that are failing and be aware that it may be particularly difficult for dispersed teams to abandon projects once they start to fail it could also be uh, and we speculate about that too in the paper that it, it's this um, slow failure as we call it happens because the teams just don't have the mechanisms to coordinate properly and so it may be that leaders have to think about putting in place measures that help uh, facilitate dispersed teamwork better. Maybe there are some mechanisms of um, individuals that help them translate if they have uh, translation issues. And I don't mean just of speaking 
English and French speaking different languages, but if we sit in different organizations or we have different backgrounds, you can imagine an engineer talking to a marketing person. So there could be that we can put in place uh, other individuals who can help facilitate conversations and make it easier for us to see when is a project actually failing. And I think we've all come become better at working in dispersed teams during the past two years. Uh, and so I think that's something that will help disperse teams going forward. But but I think we've also become more aware of some of the limitations of, for example, uh, having meetings online versus meeting in person. Oh, absolutely. Those limitations have become painfully clear for, for a lot of us, I think, over the last two years. If people wanted to find out more about your research, uh, where would you suggest they go? Uh, well, they can have a look at my website at Copenhagen Business School, which I try to keep updated um, uh, with my latest work. And for more on the research policy piece, we also wrote a short piece on uh, haveabusinessreview.org that talks about the implications of this article. Okay, fantastic. I will uh, ensure to put a link to that in the show notes. Professor Louisa Morse of Copenhagen Business School, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Laurie. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. song electronic beat time and dream sequence by lorenzo's music is licensed under an attribution share and share alike license